This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you are listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 101 of the DeFacto Leaders Podcast. In this episode, I am going to be going through a brand new free guide that I have created for my listeners. I'm really excited to share this guide. What it is, is an executive functioning implementation guide for really any K-12 practitioner who is supporting kids. Now, obviously, I'm going to be talking a lot about schools, so it's obviously relevant for therapists and teachers who are working in the schools, but if you are in another setting like a private practice or an outpatient setting and you're supporting K-12 kids, it's still relevant to you because you should be really a part of that team who is supporting kids and you're probably working closely with some of the school practitioners anyways. So it's really relevant to anybody who is supporting kids in those school age years. The reason that I've created this guide is because I get so many questions about how to support kids when it comes to literacy, independent functioning, mental health, you know, how to support kids' social skills in a way that is neurodiversity affirming. So really what this guide does is covers all of those bases. And the thing is, is that a lot of times people will ask me, you know, what things do I do in therapy? What materials should I use? What goals should I write? And all of those things are relevant to consider at some point. But really what we need to do before we can even get to any of that is consider the big picture and think about the components of treatment that need to be there, what that support looks like, 
in kind of considering the big picture and also consider who is involved with kids and what their roles are. So really we can't answer any questions about what should I be doing in therapy before we get an idea of what the big picture should look like. And also just the the components that need to be there and just how intervention should be structured across a kid's day, not just within a pullout therapy situation, but when we're considering supports across their day in the classroom, during unstructured settings, or even in the home. So that's why I wanted to just really go through this free guide. So I'm gonna share the link right now. Again, I'm kind of going through and walking you through what's in the guide, but if you want a copy of it, you can download it for free. So what you're gonna wanna do to check out this guide is you're gonna wanna go to drkarendudakbrennan.com backslash EF schools, and you'll be able to sign up for a copy of that free guide. Again, that direct link is drkarendudakbrennan.com backslash EF schools, and you will be able to sign up for the guide. So with all that being said, let's get started, and I'm gonna walk through what's covered in this guide. So I start the first section off by talking about why schools should care about executive functioning. You might have some idea if you're listening to this right now, but I'll go through it for you just in case you are wanting to get some other people on board and you're wanting to just really understand this issue on a deep level. So even before the pandemic, mental health issues were rising among children and adolescents. We know that mental health has a significant impact on life outcomes, as well as how well individuals respond to stress and make decisions. And some interesting statistics for you, between 2016 and 2019, around 8.7% of kids ranging from age 13 through 17 had a diagnosis of ADHD, and 7.8% of kids had an anxiety diagnosis. So those statistics come from the CDC. So these rates continue to rise in the aftermath of the pandemic and schools have been ill-equipped to support kids. And many schools have responded by offering talk therapy to kids, so traditional counseling, which of course in certain cases is the right decision and may help in certain cases. But what a lot of school leaders don't realize is that talk therapy alone won't get to the root cause of the problem for certain kids, especially when ADHD, anxiety, and executive dysfunction come into play. So I wanna make it clear here that I'm not making a blanket statement that talk therapy or counseling is bad and is never appropriate. You know, There are situations where there is legitimate trauma where kids do need that kind of support, but when you are talking about executive functioning, talking in a therapy setting alone and doing that pullout model alone without doing other things is not going to be enough to really resolve the issue. So for many kids with executive dysfunction, uh, the executive functioning issues are often the cause of the anxiety. So solutions that neglect that area are not likely to work for them. And as you're going to find, as I talk a little bit more about this issue, a lot of those supports need to be addressed across other contexts. So that's why just addressing it in a pullout model alone isn't going to be enough. So in order to understand why this is the case and just this relationship between executive functioning and anxiety, let's first define what executive functioning is. 
So executive functioning skills allow us to self-regulate and engage in goal-directed behavior. This might be a little bit of a review for you if you've listened to some of my earlier episodes when I originally released the podcast, but I think it'll be nice to just go through a quick review. So executive functioning skills include the ability to think ahead and make plans by predicting what might happen, to use information from past events to make decisions about the future, to problem solve without needing explicit directions, so to be able to kind of infer and figure things out on the spot, to adapt to changes in routines or unplanned events, to come up with multiple options for working through situations, so being able to have that plan B, maybe even a plan C or a plan D, to self-monitor, make adjustments to plans with the end goal in mind, to break complex tasks down into steps so that they know where to start, to be able to use those skills to estimate how long a task may take and get a sense for what things they may need to do in order to get to the end goal, and also to be able to read the room during all of those complex situations that they are experiencing during their day-to-day lives, whether it be academic or social situations. Now, on the other hand, someone who does not have well-developed executive functioning skills may appear to be disorganized, overwhelmed, may take longer to complete tasks that appear simple to other people. Executive dysfunction can also impact relationships if the individual has difficulty reading social situations, understanding people's perspectives, or regulating their emotions. And many times, because they struggle to plan ahead, they often have negative experiences in school or when trying to form friendships. Now, this is key when we're thinking about anxiety. New or challenging experiences may feel stressful for them. Yes, they are stressful for everyone to some extent, but they are especially hard for kids with executive functioning issues because they struggle to estimate how long a task may take or what they need to do to be successful. So this feeling of uncertainty coupled with the fact that they've had negative experience in the past because they haven't been able to organize and plan can lead to avoidance because it's uncomfortable, it's hard, it's unpleasant. They're remembering those past negative experiences and they're assuming that that's what's going to happen in the future. And they're having a hard time visualizing themselves be successful and really seeing those steps that they need to take in order to get to the end goal. So it just feels very overwhelming. And because it's hard, they might tend to avoid it. Avoiding difficult situations is a natural human tendency. But in order to push through those things, we've got to be able to at least visualize ourselves being successful, and that's very hard for them. Now, unfortunately, when we start avoiding new situations, it causes more anxiety, not less. It's kind of counterintuitive, but it is true. So this is the case because experiencing new challenges is the only way to build the skills and confidence they need to feel more comfortable and build a positive self-image. So actually that avoidance is making things worse, even though in the moment it may temporarily relieve some anxiety because you might just be able to resort to something that is more comfortable, but in the long run, it actually creates more stress. So this is kind of a common cycle that can happen and can result in a lot of self-sabotage. So as a result of this, kids who have executive dysfunction may experience very strong emotions, have a low tolerance for frustration, and it's common for these issues to be labeled as laziness, defiance, or lack of empathy, even though 
that is not an accurate representation of what's really going on. Now, when we see these types of behaviors, a lot of well-meaning adults resort to punishment or rewards in order to get kids to complete tasks. But the problem with that is that even though it is necessary to provide consequences and scaffolding so that kids can learn that they do have responsibilities and they do need to be held accountable, when we resort to punishment and reward alone without teaching the skills, it doesn't solve the problem because you can't reward a child into doing something when they don't have the skills to do it. So we need to make sure we are teaching skills while we are using consequences because otherwise when we're thinking about it just very myopically and thinking of it just as reward punishment, we're not really thinking about the big picture and actually teaching the skill. So this is why sticker charts and classroom management systems often don't work that well for kids with executive functioning issues because they're not getting the assistance with the actual skills. And so they're kind of being punished because they don't have a skill rather than actually learning that skill and getting that support. So this is also why talk therapy alone doesn't improve anxiety if it extends from executive dysfunction. Yes, if there's other anxiety and mental health issues, those things might need to be addressed with therapy. But when we're talking about executive functioning, you need to be able to actually help kids work through these challenging situations in context and push through that discomfort in real life situations. That's really the only way through it. And since executive functioning skills require complex problem solving and practice, adult-led social skills groups also likely yield poor results. When you have kids who have those pragmatic language issues, when they're struggling with relationships, when you get a group of kids together and you teach them in a lecture format, like, a, like an academic class, you know, you teach them this is the appropriate way to act in this situation. Yes, that might be a part of what you might need to do, you might need to talk through certain situations, but then if you just stop your intervention there and you don't actually have practice in real life situations and then review that afterwards, you're not going to see good results. If we just stick with that pull out social skills group model, we're not going to actually give kids the chance to apply those skills. Really the real intervention happens out in the real life setting. So. Again, that's why pulling kids out alone is not going to be sufficient. We need to get those supports across the board. And that's why I've created this guide, because we have to think about the big picture first. Effective solutions teach skills and strategies across multiple environments. So coming back to why schools should support executive functioning, why this needs to be a key part of every leadership initiative, well, Strong executive functioning skills can help kids to be resilient, adaptable, and independent. So really this is beneficial for all kids and it's something that should be a cornerstone of really any school when we're thinking about school culture because these characteristics of resiliency, adaptability, those things are going to be essential for supporting mental health and success in general going forward. So really it's something that can be embedded into all the academic and vocational work that's going on in schools. Everyone who interacts with school-age kids on a daily basis has the chance to support executive functioning and not addressing this skill explicitly is a huge missed opportunity. 
These skills will help support kids with problem solving and high level reasoning, organization and homework completion, resilience, motivation, impulse control, emotional regulation, social interactions and connections with others, planning and strategic thinking, inferencing and high level comprehension, including just during classroom discussions or conversations as well as reading. And it also will help with planning and execution of writing tasks or other complex projects. Now, despite the importance of these skills, many treatment teams do not adequately address executive functioning, which is why so many clinicians notice their clients struggle with the tasks and skills I just listed and why they also see that a lot of the things that they're working on are not generalizing. Now, this is obviously not the fault of school staff. Often school professionals just don't have the support or the information that they need in order to put these practices in place. And the good news is that all it takes is one team member to take the lead and create a plan for providing executive functioning support. So if you are a therapist supporting kids, that person can be you. This applies to you if you're a related service provider like a speech language pathologist, social worker, psychologist, counselor, or other interventionist like a special education teacher or a reading specialist. Now, um, teachers can take the lead on this too, but the reason that I am focusing on those related service providers is because a lot of times teachers need help. They have a whole class that they are working with, and a lot of times those other related service providers can be the ones that create those plans and help teachers implement them. So teachers really need our help here because they are a key player in this process. And what the related service providers can do is help to implement those things that need to happen in their classroom. Now, many clinicians may not start out their careers with a detailed understanding of executive functioning or how it impacts mental health and cognition. However, it's possible for you to build your skills and knowledge so you can not only be an expert in this area, but also so you can share this knowledge with others on your team and help them become experts as well. So this is why I give clinicians a comprehensive plan for leading their team and supporting executive functioning in my program for therapists called the School of Clinical Leadership. So my goal for this guide that I'm describing today is actually to just give you a starting point so that you can understand at a high level how that can look. Now, the information that I'm going through in this episode and the guide that I'm describing today is taken directly from my School of Clinical Leadership program, which is a program that helps pediatric clinicians be better leaders, make a bigger impact with their services, and lead their teams specifically in providing executive functioning support for kids at the K-12 level. You can also use the plan for doing other initiatives, but the main thing that I focus on in the program is executive functioning because if you want to be a leader on your team, you want to lead some kind of initiative in your building to support kids more effectively, the first place that you wanna start is with getting that executive functioning support in place. Now at this point in the guide, I actually share a video that came directly out of the School of Clinical Leadership. So if you download the guide, you'll be able to click on the link and watch the video at this point. So in the video, it just goes through a discussion of everyone's role in supporting executive functioning. But I am gonna go through some of that right now, but the video's there if you want just an additional resource to go through. 
So as I said before, you can go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash efschools to get a copy of this guide that I'm describing. Now I'm going to move on, but before I do, I want to emphasize the point that if you're a licensed clinician and you've decided to take initiative and develop expertise in this area, you can also take on a leadership role in this process that could involve training other staff members or parents and really just helping your team to get on board with this initiative. The key thing to remember is that you can be a leader right now, even if it's not in your official job title. It's more about what you do and how you show up than your title. So let's move on to talk about whose job it is to work on executive functioning. Now, everyone who interacts with kids has the opportunity to support executive functioning, but not everyone has the guidance and information to do it effectively. While there aren't hard and fast rules for what everyone is supposed to be doing, I'll share general guidelines for how everyone fits in. Now, I'm going to be very brief here because if you want more detailed information, I have a couple other places you can go to get the full rundown. The first place you can go is episode 81 of this podcast. The next place you can go is to actually download the guide, and this information is also in the School of Clinical Leadership. So let me just give you the quick and dirty version, and then you can download the guide or listen to the other episode if you want more information. So what I actually go through in this section is general education teachers, special ed teachers, teaching assistants, school service personnel, parents, and students. So I'm just going to give you a really quick explanation of what's in this section, and then you can download it and check it out if you want more information. So obviously, general education teachers are the ones that are delivering the classroom instruction. So their job is to provide structure and support in their classroom and do some accommodating and modeling for kids. And they might do some direct teaching of executive functioning strategies as well, but really what other people need to do who are on the team, such as the special ed teacher or the school service personnel, is come in and help them implement those plans. So the special ed teacher or the school service personnel, like the speech pathologist, social worker, psychologist, counselor, um, other interventionists, might come in and be a support for the teacher in implementing that plan. And then those other providers who are providing those specialized services might be pulling kids out and teaching them some strategies and then working with the teachers to provide some support so that there's actually supports across their day. And we're not just doing this in a pullout setting. Those providers are you know, pulling kids out into separate settings, but then also helping teachers implement supports in the classroom. And then those providers might be also doing some kind of review and discussion of how things went when those strategies were implemented. So again, the whole format that we want to think about is that when we're, when we're thinking about strategies that need to be implemented across the day, we might have a planning and prep situation where it's kind of a priming situation that might happen outside the classroom or maybe in the classroom, but just, you know, in a separate place, you know, that's less distracting. Maybe you go off to the table in the corner to just kind of, you know, get into a setting that's a little bit less distracting. We have that priming. We have that actual implementation where they go out and you you let them try it in the real situation, um, whether it be class or recess or whatever and then you come back and you review. And so ideally what you want to do is maybe that therapist or the special ed teacher is actually in there providing supports. Maybe they've trained the teacher to provide supports. And then 
however that looks, we're going to want to make sure that we do have sessions with kids where we review and revise the strategies. But the key is, is that this is seamless. We want to go priming, go out, let kids try it, and then come back and review. So think about that model. Now, teaching assistants can be key in this process as well in actually providing that support in those real life situations. I would say that when you're thinking about how do I actually get kids to have support in their classroom or wherever they are during the day during school, teaching assistants can be a huge asset in this process, especially if you have a teacher who is you know, teaching a whole class and maybe won't be able to stop and cue kids. So I would really consider teaching assistants to be a key role in this process as well as the therapists and the teachers. Now, when we're thinking about parents and students, we wanna think about a similar format with the priming, go out and let them try it in the wild and then come back and review. We wanna think about it the same way, except in the home setting. So it's, you know, you're working with kids, you might plan with them for a specific setting, we might front load and prepare them for a specific situation. And then the parents might be there with them in whatever whatever that scenario is, whether it's getting ready for school, whether it's attending some kind of a family event, whatever it is, wherever they need support, the parents are there providing that support. And then we come back and review. So therapists can train parents to do some of that front loading and review. They absolutely should train parents to do this because they're the ones that are going to have access to kids, but also the therapist can do some of that review and prep and, you know, discussing with kids, you know, certain scenarios that happened. But the key is, is that the parents need to be trained so that they can provide that support and be able to model and give kids practice in the real life context. If that's not happening, pulling kids out into the therapy setting is not going to be enough. And then finally, the students need to be involved in this process. We're not necessarily just you know, letting kids do whatever they want to do, but we do want to include them in these conversations so that they can be heard and listened to. It doesn't mean that we give them exactly what they want, but we still want to include them in those conversations because their primary role is to learn how to self-advocate and understand how their brains work. So again, you want to check out the guide to learn a more detailed description of all of these roles. And there are some other people, again, there's this is not an exhaustive list, but it's just a general idea of how everyone can fit into this process. So at the very end, I talk a little bit about leadership. And again, I just want to drive this point home that when you're thinking about executive functioning, you can't just think about what you're doing in therapy. You have to think about leading your team. Now, many therapists think that leadership is something extra that we do on top of our clinical responsibilities, but your clinical skills and I mean your skills that you use when you have a student in front of you, those skills will only get you so far if you don't know how to build relationships and impact the practices of others on your team. That's why making time for leadership is a non-negotiable if you want to truly have an impact on your caseload and you want to get these executive functioning supports in place. Now, many clinicians think that they don't have time to focus on leadership. So that's why productivity and systems are a huge part of what I teach in the School of Clinical Leadership, because all of these strategies are great, but if you're not sure how to structure your day, you're not ever going to get them done. So that's why I show clinicians the systems and strategies for making that happen. 
in the School of Clinical Leadership. Now, that is a whole other topic that is quite lengthy. So it's obviously beyond the scope of this episode to get into the whole productivity system today. But the key thing to take away from this episode is that executive functioning support should be a key priority when you're thinking about serving your caseload, and it should be a key priority for all school leadership when we're thinking about initiatives that need to happen in K-12 education. So this is a good place to wrap up. So there are a couple places that you can go now if you want to learn more about the information that I've shared today, if you want to learn more about how you can lead your teams to get executive functioning support in place, as well as how you can build the systems to do it, then there are a couple places that you can go right now. So to download the guide that I was going through today, you want to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash efschools. And if you want more information about the School of Clinical Leadership, which is the complete program where I show clinicians how to really create the systems that they need in order to be better leaders, and I also give them specific implementation strategies and specific systems strategies that they can teach their teams when it comes to getting executive functioning support in place. And I also go through some of the things that you could actually work on in direct therapy sessions when you get to that point. So I really give you the complete big picture of how this should work, as well as some of the other things that you need to do to actually make this happen, like managing your schedule, building relationships, all of those things that you need to do. So to get more information about that program, the School of Clinical Leadership, which is a program for clinicians that will help them to get this executive functioning support initiative in place in their buildings, you're going to want to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash leadership. Before I wrap up, I wanted to remind you that it helps me out so much if you rate and review the De Facto Leaders podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also, you'll want to make sure that you subscribe or follow my show. I know that it's, I think it just changed on Apple and Spotify. I think now you want to follow the show so that you can actually have the show in your library and you can see when all the new episodes go live. So make sure that you follow my show on whatever directory you use for your podcasts and also rate and review. And then finally, if you have a suggestion for a guest, or if you would like to be a guest on the DeFacto Leaders podcast, please email me at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. Again, I am looking for people who are showing some type of leadership in advocacy for K-12 education, whether it is a clinical role, a teacher, or really somebody who is doing something amazing for their community. Again, you want to email me at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. For now, we'll wrap up. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.